Be part of an innovative fine arts community immersed in a top research university. Carnegie Mellon University's School of Music's world-class vocal department constantly works at the cutting edge of musical art forms. CMU performance faculty are creating projects that leverage musicians' skill sets in unique and applicable ways. Students are challenged to think outside the box as they engage with non-traditional performance spaces, collaboration with electronics, and improvisation, alongside a robust program of traditional studies, languages, recitals, and operas. To learn more about Carnegie Mellon University and to apply, visit the link in the show notes of this episode. This is So Lit Song Lit, a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative, where we reimagine the repertoire by introducing less familiar art songs through sound clips and lively discussion. I'm vocal coach Ellen Rissinger. And I'm soprano Tony Marie Palmertree. Join us as we explore this exciting repertoire. So Lit, So Lit, reimagining the repertoire. Today we're talking about The Three Ages of Woman by Lee Hoiby. This set of songs I certainly appreciate a lot, considering that the poetry that it's based on is also written by a woman. So I think we can put our seal of approval on a song cycle called The, the Ages of Three Ages of Woman, woman. <laughs> written by women. At least it was written by a woman. Exactly. Uh, these were actually commissioned for my voice teacher, Phyllis Renielsen, oh my, my voice teacher in college, which is so cool to see that connection that just thrilled me to death. The poet for this was Elizabeth Bishop, but we also wanted to talk a little bit about Lee Hoiby and actually Tyson Deaton, a New York-based conductor and a good friend of ours, got to work with Hoiby and got to meet him. So we wanted to ask him his opinion on Hoiby, the man and the composer. I worked with him on some of the Dickinson songs and also this thing called Three Ages of Women. There's a recording of me and Barbara Haver at the time doing them live. He was just such a nice man and he had so many good things to say about his own music and he could play his own music extremely well. I saw Fonstadt's farewell recital at Carnegie. Martin played for most of it. And then Hoiby came out and played a few songs for her, um, including The Serpent in the Lower Key, which a lot of people don't have. Um, he also wrote three French songs that I think are not published. So that gives a jumping off point about Lee Hoiby. I have to say, I got to know Hoiby first as a very young pianist from his songbook, The Thirteen Songs. And one of the first things I ever had to play by Hoiby was his setting of Who Knows If the Moon's a Balloon. So we're going to take a slight detour really quick and talk about that because this is an E.E. E. Cummings poem, Who Knows If the Moon's a Balloon. It's also been set by Dominic Argento and I believe several other composers. This Hoiby setting is my favorite setting because you feel the, the air, you feel the floating, you feel them up in the air. The piano is so filigree. Mm. It's so light and sparkly. And the voice literally just goes up and up and up. It's absolutely special. That's the only word I can come up with because it's special. Yeah. Then when I was, I, I was a 
young artist in Des Moines Metro Opera. Hmm. You know, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> and that summer, we did his opera, Summer and Smoke, hmm. which I think... Uh, I should see these are thing, things I should check. I think it was a Tennessee Williams play. It was some kind of a play first, mm-hmm. and it was he set this, and it was it was gorgeous. It's just pretty. He writes beautiful music. He writes really tonal, really mm-hmm. accessible music. Yes. So now we can get to three ages of woman. Yes. So a little bit about um, Elizabeth Bishop, the poet. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, she was a gay woman. So in her time, I think it it helps to put these things into perspective. When when you're looking at the words and the the poetry that she's written here, it's very like voyeuristic in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not really speaking in first person. It's like she's just describing. Yeah, and I would say kind of distant. Yeah, like she she might be describing an intimate moment, but she's not describing the intimacy of the moment. She's saying from the outside, the room was blue. Mm-hmm. Kind of that kind of does that make sense? Yes, exactly. And and she also as a poet was very like against being looped in as like a female poet. She really kind of didn't like being labeled a female poet. She just wanted to be a poet. Exactly. So she uh, rejected being part of, you know, looped into these publications that were just for women composers. She rejected that. She's like, no, thanks. I'm good. Yes. (laughs) So I love that about her. Exactly. Well, and especially, I mean, she she lived from 1911 to 1979. Mm-hmm. So if we think about the fact that women could not have a credit card or a bank account before the 1970s, mm-hmm. she lived through a lot of years where women were put mm-hmm. down. Absolutely. Yeah. So she was already in a class of people, you know, being gay that was already being discriminated against. And then as a woman being right. discriminated against exactly, and then rejected, you know, having accolades as the female poet. So she definitely was pushing her way forward and making a way forward for all of us women trying to make our own grounds in this world. So we appreciate yeah. you, Elizabeth. Very much so. We see this in the poetry. Like if you look at just the text of the first song, mm-hmm. this describes an outing with her grandfather and it's all about manners. It's about how you treat people. So it's literally she's riding in a carriage with horses and greeting everybody along the way. And then when the horse gets tired, you get down because that's what good manners are. Like all of this song is about good manners, but there's no intimacy. It's not like my grandfather was the greatest guy. It's literally just describing a time that she spent with her grandfather. Yes, and it's not like instructing, these are the things you should do. It's, she's just observing that this is how people behave, and this is what is accepted. Right. And it reminds me of my son, actually, because he'll say things to me like, my, my dad is called Poppy, and so he'll say, why does Poppy always wave to the neighbor and, you know, say hello? And why does he need to talk to him? You know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> this is kind of what this song reminds me of. It's just like a commentary on this is how people behave. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you learn it by watching and just repeating. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being intimately on the inside and discovering your feelings about it. Yes. <laughs> right? In the second song, Filling Station, I have to say, like, I love the piano part to this because it's so awkward and weird <laughs> but it's not atonal it's just also not perfectly tonal so it's just a little bit out of the ordinary and it's a little 
a little jarring. It's three two, so it's a little. Every measure is just a little longer than you think it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the vocal part is also in the sense of her. The, the singer, it, their nose is sort of squinched up and like, ugh, you know, that's kind of what the vocal line sounds like to me. Like yeah, they're going, oh, it's dirty. Oh, right. It's a filling. It's a filling <laughs> station. Yeah. So everything smells like oil. Yes, <laughs> it's very descriptive. I love it. Right. Tongue in cheek when they're talking about, you know, there's oil everywhere, so you better be careful with that match. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I have to say, when it comes to the poetry of this one, the entire song is about men. It's the father, the sons, says it's a family filling station, and you never hear about any female in it. And then at the very end, it says, somebody waters the plant. Or maybe oils it, which I think is really funny. (laughs) She also references a doily, which I think is hilarious at this dirty filling station. And I think it also is a reference to, obviously, there's a woman here somewhere keeping it all together. Right? So if we're thinking about ages of women, this is the age where the woman is taking care of the family, but maybe slightly invisible. Mm -hmm. The last song is called Insomnia. And... The opening motif of this. I already got chills thinking about it. Like Right? It, it's it's a C minor 7 chord in the piano, but it's also put in a way that feels very low and very deep. And when the soprano comes in, the first thing you do is add the ninth. So you go up to, a, I'm playing C, C, G, B flat, E flat, and G, and you go G to high D. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not a high note in your voice. But it feels like it is so far away. Such a reach, yeah, exactly. And it feels so modern to me. It feels like this song could have been written yesterday. Yeah. When it looks out a million miles, like you can feel with a million ma, the fact that you get this sort of like the change in pitch on the word miles, a million miles, yeah, gives me this sense of like watching, watching, almost watching the beat, the radio waves beat away. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, ripple like waves. Yes, it ripples away a million miles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, in case you couldn't tell, we love these little songs. We love this text. We think. There's a whole lot of depth to be gained mm-hmm. by singing these songs. I think that the text can be a lot of what you make of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it would really uh, also challenge your, especially in the first two songs, your acting chops a bit. So that's fun. Exactly. Purchase information. I found this on Sheet Music Plus, so we will make sure to put a link to that in the show notes. And as far as level of singer, if we're talking about specifically this cycle, what are we thinking? I'm thinking it has to be advanced. You know, the rhythm, the notes, especially, you know, like in Filling Station, you're all over the place a little bit. Mm -hmm. The harmonics are not exactly where you think they're going to be. So 
This is more for advanced students or singers or performers. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for something that's more towards the beginner level or that you could give to a younger singer, I would look into that Lee Hoi B13 songs. I will also find out where you can purchase that and put that in the show notes links, just because I think that would be a great addition to anyone's library. Absolutely. Uh, my book looks almost as destroyed as my 24 Italian art songs. <laughs> <laughs> the cover has fallen off of it long ago. Um, but but there are so many good songs in there. He has a Lady of the Harbor, Give Me Your Tired, Your Poor. He has a Jabberwocky. Oh, cool. Right? So I just read a book that was talking about the Jabberwocky and a guy having to like learn the whole Jabberwocky. Like craziness. So that one is super fun. There's, yeah, there are just a couple of songs in there that I think are real gems mm -hmm. so it's well worth investing in definitely these are definitely songs that if i were programming a recital i'd be putting them towards the end of the the whole program right to English. lighten maybe to lighten the mood up exactly uh very accessible to the audience and you get to be very personable with, with the audience and so these are a great fit for if you're looking for that closer Today's episode had a cameo appearance from conductor Tyson Deaton. Musical performances for this episode were performed by Tony Marie and Ellen and recorded at the Camp Recording Studio in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Purchase information for the scores discussed in this episode are available in the show notes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find this podcast. Episodes drop every first, third, and fifth Thursday of the month. So Lit Songlit is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org slash podcasts. Are you craving incredible song recitals? Are you interested in a behind-the-scenes view into professional song making at the highest levels of artistry? Are you looking to develop your own artistic and entrepreneurial skills as a classical musician in this ever-changing 21st century landscape? If you found yourself saying yes to any of those questions, look no further than Cincinnati Song Initiative's week-long program, The Fellowship of the Song. Taking place this year from May 19 through 26, The Fellowship brings together some of the country's brightest song performers and teachers for a week of classes, concerts, and study events and we invite you to join us as an auditor, either in person in Cincinnati or online wherever you may be located. When you join the fellowship as an auditor, you gain instant access to the entire week's events and can go back and relive the magic through HD video recordings of each and every session. To learn more about this incredible new opportunity, visit cincinnatisonginitiative.org audit.